0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Karin Wenz and I wish you a warm welcome at 48 Minutes Unplugged. In this podcast, we interview leaders who we think are inspiring. We rapid-fire questions at them to discover what makes them stand out. Because we believe the world today, more than ever, needs inspiring leaders. Leaders who are good at what they do, but stand out in the way they do it who are able to keep focus in a rapidly changing world and have an impact that reaches further. To truly unplug from busy and tune in into here and now, we invite our guests to do a breathing exercise with us. We intentionally do not disclose the questions in advance because we would like to get intuitive and heartfelt answers. We want you to really get to know the person behind the title. The questions have no logical order And that at times might feel a bit uneasy. After 48 minutes exactly, you will hear a tone, which means the interview will come to an end, no matter how exciting the content is at that moment. All our episodes can be accessed via Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And do check out our website www48 hoursunplugcom to stay up to date on our upcoming leadership retreats and other activities. Welcome to our ninth episode of 48 Minutes Unplugged. A few episodes ago, we had Roland Slot talking about servant ownership as an alternative model for our capitalist system. Our guest today is someone I believe embodies the servant ownership movement. Olivier van den is one of Belgium's most inspiring people in the sustainability scene. He was a director at Deloitte in sustainability services, but is foremost also the founder and managing director of Close the Gap. What started as a student project has evolved to an international social enterprise that aims to bridge the digital divide by offering high quality, pre-owned computers donated by European companies to educational, medical and social projects in developing and emerging countries. Today, Close the Gap has donated over 1 million computers with over 3 million users worldwide. Last year, Olivier and his family moved to Kenya to launch a computer and recycling and manufacturing hub in Nairobi in order to better serve the local market. COVID-19 temporarily brought Olivier back to Belgium, where he is currently active as one of the key figures behind Digital for Youth. This organization is providing refurbished laptops to children from less wealthy families in order to make sure they can continue lessons in times where homeschooling becomes the norm. I personally appreciate Olivier for his unstoppable optimism, his authenticity and his social nature. And I strongly believe that his natural flair is the secret ingredient of his unparalleled networking skills. He is one of the family at the Belgian court, and can call South African Nobel Prize winner Desmond Tutu as one of his close friends. But today he is here with us, which I am very grateful for. Welcome, Olivier.
1: Thank you, Caroline. What a what a great introduction. <laughs>
0: um i hope uh, everything was correct that i said um i'm very curious um you're now back in belgium um to me you come across as rather an extrovert person um how are you spending your days uh these days
1: um. Kind of, um, I'm an early bird uh, these days. Not not so much because I I norm- normally like waking up early, but it's just because of, uh, as you said in your introduction, the digital for youth. Uh, I would say project that we unexpectedly, because of COVID, uh, set up uh, with with our partners and also with our Belgium different ministers of education is. As from, I would say, 8, 8.30 a.m. until the end of the day, it's calls and meetings, uh, virtual meetings uh, nonstop. So I, I wake up quite early, like this morning uh, around 6 and then I do a, a good hour of run uh, here around the corner of where I live in the south of Brussels in, 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 in one of our beautiful uh, forests. And then I come home and I basically uh, stay in my small office in a small apartment close to my wife and uh, and my three years old so, uh, three years old son. And uh, mm-hmm. in the evening uh, we have a, a kind of an, uh, a drink together, uh, the three of us. We eat together, and then uh, I go to bed early. And the day starts again, and it's like uh, like this uh, all week long. Just the weekends uh, we we don't work. Kind of uh, on that virtual. Calling mothers in the weekend, so in the weekend it's really more family, uh, family time.
0: Wow! So where most people are slowing down, you are, seem to be accelerating these days.
1: Yeah, it, really, uh, completely unexpectedly, because as you rightfully said, uh, with lots of pain in my heart, we decided um, to travel back from Kenya to to Belgium. Closely, I would say a day or two before Kenya closed its airspace due to this COVID nineteen uh, crisis, and knowing that um, my organizations so the group companies I I, I lead uh, that there is quite a bit of uh, European Belgium centric ones, and then I really started getting worried, uh, m- not so much from from health or security issues, like other people might think, uh, if you think about. COVID-19 crisis in, 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 in African countries, uh, I, I was quite convinced that African leaders would and societies would, would manage that uh, as good as they can, just like we see anywhere else in, in the world, regardless of the economic, um, I would say, um, uh, power of, of, of the countries. Uh, but uh, it was really the, the, the fear of long-time isolation uh, to be lit, being literally yeah. in the coast uh, somewhere in a beautiful paradise uh, area called Mombasa uh, that I would not be able to, to really focus on, on some key issues that the Belgium-based companies might uh, encounter during this uh, unprecedented crisis.
0: Yeah, so it was more like a strategic decision.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And then with the family, uh, we came back, and then to to basically finally answer your previous question. So, so I was really while flying back, telling myself and my wife that probably the coming weeks would be the most boring of our life and the most frustrating because, because of basically leaving behind our beautiful. Uh, enterprise that we were just setting up in Kenya and all the local uh, colleagues and staff and clients and partners uh, and 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 that we would be stuck on our uh, on our apartment in the city of Brussels and then literally uh, I think we flew in on a Thursday and during the weekend afterward in, in that same week the idea of digital for youth uh, basically on a Saturday morning, uh, came through our mind, and I gave a couple of phone calls to my three fellow board members of Digital for Youth, and on Monday morning, we, we had a meeting with the yeah. Belgian minister, and the rest uh, is, is history.
0: Yeah. Wow, yeah, how uh, how entrepreneurship thrives uh, in times of crisis, uh, nice example. Um, you already said it was uh, with pain in the heart that you're coming back to Belgium. Um so, what, what are you actually missing most about Africa right now?
1: Oh, um, typically I would say the weather, but looking at how good it is here today, uh, this is—it's not the biggest uh, yes. thing we miss right now. But uh, Mombasa is, is almost on the equator, so we 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 have like a, a very nice uh, temperature there. But but I really miss. Um, is I think the, the conviviality, the the take it easy atmosphere, the the smiles of the people, and being locked down here in in Belgium now is even more confronting about uh, the lack of all those typical African, uh, I would say, uh, benefits or African natural uh, assets that you, that you, that you basically experience on a daily basis. Now being in a lockdown situation, it's even more confronting.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can understand. And, and what about Belgium? Would you miss most when you're in Africa?
1: The seasons. I really miss uh, the seasons. It's nice to be day and night in like close to 30 degrees but it's uh, as i mentioned we're on the equator so the days start very early but they end very early too so once uh, 6 p.m. it's basically dark and you basically stay home and here uh, what i what i miss about uh, yeah belgium is really the seasons the the, the, the rain sometimes yeah. the the coldness the good air the the the, the fresh air uh, and basically, yeah, I, I have to admit, I sometimes also miss the the organized uh, way of, uh, of of dealing with societies. It's it's nice to to be yeah. in a, I would say, in, a, in in a more African environment. But sometimes it's nice also to know that things are, yeah, working today as they used to work yesterday. In Africa, <laughs> where we are, it's every day a new day, and it's also a, a surprise.
0: Yeah, nice um olivier I know you you are especially uh before lockdown you had a quite busy lifestyle uh with a lot of traveling um how do you recharge your batteries
1: um it's a it's a good question I'm not sure I always recharge them uh well i uh, experienced in the last couple of years already quite some uh, energy uh I would say, balance issues. So um, I try to to basically recharge them on a permanent basis rather than doing it on, um, I would say, on, on, on specific moments in the week, in the year or in the month. Uh, I, I, I got rid of the idea that you have like work, life. And uh, uh, for me, it's the flow of life is a kind of a Permanent one, I'm, I am who I am and I, I, I tend to be as energetic or as, uh, as much having ups and downs uh, as much in my, uh, I would say, uh, offline, online, private or work time. And so in that sense, uh, to give some elements of uh, uh, to your answer, I think to your question, answers to your questions, I, I try to upload them by eating as healthy as I can by having my mm-hmm. daily, uh, at least one to one and a half hour of sports. Uh, also in, in, in Kenya, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really like, I, I, I really do it every day. Uh, I, perhaps one or two days a month that I skip uh, my, my run from an hour or an hour and a half. Um, I, I try mm-hmm. to, to have my phone calls with, with some energetic people around me, uh, friends, but also business friends. And 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 definitely uh, my wife and my son. Uh, since I'm a young father father now, uh, only since three and a half years, I must say that having a kid is really something that uh, yeah that 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 changed your lives and your energy levels uh, on a permanent uh, basis. It really energizes you just to see the yeah I would say the cuteness and also the the yeah the, the the childish uh, energy and 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 how how basically it confronts you also with your own way of looking at things in life and i've noticed that that's really a very uh, energizer to me
0: yeah nice and um you you um started to close the gap uh as a student project but what what actually inspired you to uh to start recycling uh
1: Art we're uh, from the north, and oh, uh, yeah, I'll elaborate a little bit on that one uh, because it, it's, yeah. there's not a very easy short answer on that one. But basically, I was the oldest son in a family of six, that's one of the elements. Yeah. Uh, so, my, my the one, one aspect of, of how close the gap. Basically, arised in my mind as a as an idea to set up a, a venture when I was uh, in my third years of uh, of university. So I was twenty one years old, more or less. And um, um, my my dad was basically uh, having a small, medium sized business in the same house where the kids, the six of us, lived upstairs, and we had. Uh, in the in the 80s, when I was a, a kind of a growing up, uh, yeah, almost teenager, uh, his business had kind of like uh, 20, 30 computers, and I was somehow becoming, as the oldest son, very intrigued by how to network them and and put them in in a kind of a networking environment. In the old days, without Wi-Fi, uh, so old cables, and that was very time and and, and labor-intensive to to connect all those devices, and and I was basically receiving the the ones that his practice was re- renewing to basically upgrade them and recondition them for my five uh, younger siblings. So that's that's yeah, that's right. one part of the equation. The second I would say is also that I, I was studying business economics at at, at uh, the Solvay Management School, and I've always loved the idea of. Of, of economics and of uh, I would say of uh, entrepreneurship, and uh, I really wanted as a as a young economist in training, where in a business school you typically have many many, yeah I would say children also from successful entrepreneurs already and uh, family entrepreneurs that typically were looking at um, at doing business in a relatively going concern way yeah. so the, you had the non-profit and the for-profit and most of our i would say of our cohort of 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 uh students certainly in a business school were extremely focused on on, on the for-profit only and what really triggered yeah. me at that time was basically what we didn't call csr or sustainability yet in 2001 was basically the idea that you can also um Enterpri- enterprise and find a kind of a hole in the market as we literally translate it from dutch and uh, got in the mark the hole in the market yeah. that you can also find those holes in the market in the less obvious um, environments uh, and and so also in the in, in the i would say in the in the more social and 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 disadvantaged uh, market uh, environments and that was basically a second uh, motivator at that time that I wanted as a, as a business economist in Spain to really also demonstrate that you could also use the managerial uh, capitalistic economic uh, models to basically, without taxpayer money, also fulfill the needs in certain environments where the regular, I would say, more traditional oriented businesses would not directly look look into. And and, and and then the third aspect, and that's more the, an emotional one, is that my, my dad was basically a, a veterinarian and, and he, he also had uh, many um, uh, students from Africa that he was basically having as interns uh, in his practice in Belgium. And, yeah. and those students uh, in the in the 90s who came often from Rwanda and Congo. Uh, and and wow. yeah, and, and many of them were uh, yeah, typically men in those uh, in 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 that era uh, that then came with with their spouse and their kids, and many of the kids actually were just living in our house together with uh, with the six of us, and that's where I also kind of connected with, uh, with 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 yeah with 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 peers from that had the same age as us, but that basically. Um, demonstrated uh, on a day-to-day basis to us the, the, the disadvantage of not having access to information in their uh, schools, in their societies. And, so, uh, and and that really was very demonstrated to me when one of the Rwandan boys one day came to my bedroom where I was studying and I had a kind of a, a big globe, you know, those, those things we got for Santa Claus when we were kids uh, with a light bubble in there. And, 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 and one yeah. of the kids really started crying. He was, uh, we were 12 or 14 years old, something like that. And he was kind of crying from despair because he was basically seeing a globe in that w- white boy's uh, room where actually the map was different than the one he was uh, actually studying on and, and, and actually uh, memorizing all those capital cities. And it was basically because he was, he was studying on books that were probably donated in, from col- in the colonial times. Uh, or post-colonial times yeah. by actually school books that were uh, yeah thrown away in in first world countries and it's the, the, the those three elements basically mixed together in a cocktail that I said couldn't we try to set up a social enterprise model not using taxpayer money but really having a revenue model to be independent and able to scale and innovate and to basically fulfill the needs by basically bringing in the consumer-centric uh, way of, of of dealing with IT uh, as a commodity in those days already in Europe and in, in the Western world where we throw away our assets, our IT tech assets uh, rather quickly yeah. and putting that in, in the model uh, that actually became Close the Gap.
0: Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a perfect cocktail which became... A- close the gap, um olivia you said you uh indeed you you work together with with companies who uh who donate their their equipment to you and you refurbish it uh one of the skills which i think is definitely a good one for for all you do is is uh, is your networking skills and i already said it in the introduction um i think to me personally you're one of the uh the best networkers i I actually know um you, you know quite a lot of people um, what would you say is your your secret
1: Oh, um I, I i think if i look to the if i try to answer the question in a politically correct answer uh i would i would say uh to be obviously authentic and basically not see networking as a verb or as a as a i would say as a destination i i basically uh and so the non-political correct answer would be basically basically not to network my my my, my rem- yeah. remedy would be i think networking in my opinion has a relatively negative flavor not so much because of the fact that it could also be associated sometimes with 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 lobbying or with trying to to have kind of an yeah self self interest that you try to basically uh, generate uh, but but I, I what I like a lot about the, the the networking in a non-networking modus if I can put it that way is that you yeah. really it's just like when you became in love when you got in love with your girlfriend or today with my wife it's 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 like looking at people as a love affair almost. It's like wanting to basically be with that person rather than networking with that person. And and I I, I believe I have a, a big gift in life because of having closed the gap as my my baby and my venture already at a very young age at, at university. Because yeah, the, the the official networking tasks only happens basically once you grow up. Eh? I don't think teenagers are not necessarily. Networking and and since close the gap has always been yeah. something I've been so passionate about and so personal uh, linked to my life as I just previously explained I I never felt I had to network and 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 I, I was basically trying to make people fall in love with what triggers me and what uh, what 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 brings me what gets me up in the morning uh, in in, in a way of feeling excited of basically kicking off with a new day and having a purpose uh, in in, in that day in in your life and sharing that with people. And and I think the biggest energy I got out of this is that it was often like mutual love. And then you saw that those those people you were networking with, to use the term, basically on their level then also fell in love with what I was trying to, kind of in a non-instrumental um, way trying to convey to them. And then on their end, they started basically doing things to make my dream come true. And and then you basically re-engage with that person. And then it was a kind of a pyramid, pyramid kind of model where there was a multiplicator every time from people that engaged with others. And so I never really felt that I was networking uh, it was more that i was ki- kind of yeah conveying a, a message or 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 a dream to others that were co-dreaming it with me and and it was it didn't feel yeah. like it was a, a kind of a you know in a typical networking it's like you tell something to someone that person listens answers tells something to you and go go then that goes back and forth and then you repeat that uh, with other persons here it was more like something that was a flow and a flow of energy, also a flow of ideas and new people that originated out of that flow. And I have the feeling that it's still happening today and that the power of Close the Gap somehow is that flow that continues and, and that many other people basically contributed to.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, if I can add to that, um, what is also very important I feel, and, and I also feel when I'm, when I'm talking to you is that um, there's no transactional objective in the first place. Um, and I think I felt that very much when, when, when I got into touch with you the first time is that um, you're truly, your, your first intention is to meet the other person and to, to establish the relationship um, and only in the second place to, to, to do any business. So I think that's uh it's absolutely right what you're saying. Um, another question. So, so you, you know a lot of people. Uh, as said, you, you know the uh, Belgian king and queen, uh, Desmond Tutu, a Nobel Prize winner. It's also thanks to you that uh, I got in touch with Mo Gadat, a previous uh, podcast guest. Um, but if you could have a dinner with one person uh, which you, you haven't met yet, Today, who, who would it be? Oh,
1: that's a uh, very interesting.
0: A wild guy, <laughs> yeah, <I, I>,
1: absolutely, and one that I didn't really, I haven't really reflected on that one. I, I got perhaps yeah, as you, as you said, it's it's true that I had the honor of meeting some people like the ones you, but both ones you you just mentioned but also there without wanting to be falsely uh, I would say uh, prudent or um, uh, discreet I at the end of the day <laughs> you don't perceive those people as okay when you have a call with the king obviously there is always a, a feeling of protocol and you need to be a little bit aware of, of, of things and there is the the secrecy part about uh, about the governance with with uh, yeah with with someone from from that level, but in general, at the end of the day, it's always a human being, and and so I, I I I know I've been privileged through my work also to to have gotten in touch with quite some 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 people that people would look look up to. Also, like if yeah, one day I was able to go to Davos um with actually Desmond Tutu and then yeah i i, I was kind of uh, if i if i look back to that moment it was like i was kind of his personal assistant uh, helping him around uh, <laughs> and then suddenly you have bill gates or gordon brown or richard branson literally popping up and and hugging uh, desmond tutu and and giving their phones in my hand asking that i would take a picture from 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 the from two, two, together with with those uh, yeah highly high profile people and acting basically as a as a kind of a kind of a the photographer at that moment uh, in the capacity of a of a personal assistant and I found that extremely nice. Uh, um, well, to answer your question, I I must say it's a little bit overwhelming me at this stage. I, I, I think there is different categories of people I would love to see. There is there. Is, I, I definitely would have loved to have interacted with Nelson Mandela, uh, which unfortunately yeah. did, didn't happen. Uh, I,
0: I, I, maybe in the, next maybe life. in the next
1: life. Indeed. Um, sometimes I think also, yeah, perhaps meeting someone not necessarily uh, for for uh, more also for, to learn about dynamics from 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 people like Obama or even Trump, I would I would love love to meet uh, some of those more for me far away American politics to to better to better understand the, the dynamics in that type of political uh, schemes. Not so much because I, I I'm, I'm not idolizing either of them. But I, I, I would, I would really like to, to, to get a kind of an informal, uh, kind of Q and A with, 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 with some of those that, that caliber of people. I, I, so let's let's say uh yeah, Donald Trump perhaps today.
0: Yeah, nice. That's unexpected answer, yeah. but uh, it's. I, I agree. It could be very insightful. Yeah,
1: yeah. Certainly, those <laughs> um, days where all the. Yeah, all all his uh, uh, between brackets, uh, MET decisions. Uh, if you look to general public opinions, uh, I think it, uh, having a, a discussion with someone who is so much uh, at the world scene, contested today, and 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 running, uh, yeah, one of the biggest countries in the world uh, through through some unprecedented crisis that we find all over the place. I think that would be really. Yeah, definitely I I Donald Trump would be my choice today to to get a, a Q&A with uh, of of the record.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, when I talk to him <laughs> I'll, I'll ask. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh you said uh you have a son uh, Alexander I think was his name. Um you for sure, had many lessons in life. if there would be one lesson, one thing you learned that you could pass on to him um, something that would help him in life uh, what what would it be?
1: I think from my own life experience, it would be that he really needs to do what he likes, not follow. Any expectations? Uh, yeah. Expectations from people very close to you and dear to you. I think I've, in retrospective, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively happy where I am today, and obviously that I feel that I'm a free human being and I quite able to to pursue many of my personal ambitions, aspirations, dreams. But I'm I'm forty now, and I also had my struggles in the in, in the last years in particular but i i would imagine looking at my son today and trying to learn from my own youth and and growing up face that i would recommend him to basically be a little bit more um, positively meant arrogant in making your own decisions and not trying to be too um, contemplating and uh, managing the expectations from people like your parents, uh, or like your teachers, or close mentors—it's uh, very contradictory what I say here, but I, I, I think that people are better, are more able to become outstanding individuals in the first instance to themselves, to basically become successful in, in 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 reaching your personal goals, which often. Uh, translate to community or life-changing goals to many more people around you. I truly think that you can only do good to someone else if you are also good to yourself. And in that perspective, I, I, I believe that... that I would hope that my son would really try to identify his own beliefs, his own aspirations and not be um, influenced at young age by very, I would say, well-meant uh, influencers, and and that's a little bit the lesson I would hope. Once he gets a little bit older, I can I can teach him so that on the one hand you have a young a young adolescent, young person growing up and looking up to the people that are teaching and mentoring him and being his parents, but on the other hand also making sure that they don't become too much. Uh, that they don't take it for granted that those mentors and, pe- and, and people around you are, per definition, knowing who you are and what you should become. And I think that's the real message I would like to give him.
0: Yeah, that's uh, a really beautiful one, uh, to walk his own path. Um, is there something, Olivier, that you absolutely dislike?
1: Um Something I completely dislike. I basically very much dislike having fights. I don't like to have a fight which has not been resolved or where you basically know that you have an enemy. I've tried all my life to basically have no enemies. <laughs> and and I, I probably could have had more enemies today if I would let's dislike not to have enemies <laughs> so it's it's a, yeah. uh, so so basically what i dislike is having um open arguments having people being unhappy about my behavior or about my uh yeah the 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 way that i p- potentially um uh, disappointed them. I think disappointment is basically one of the I don't like to disappoint others and that's probably what I dislike most.
0: Yeah. And um, because, because um, I, I, I kind of have a similar thing but um, I sometimes feel that it's also uh, can be uh a burden because it's they always say it's uh, impossible to be liked by everyone uh, and it can be also very uh, energy consuming. But um, how do you feel about that? Do you think it's it's an asset or it's, it's... Oh,
1: but it, it goes a little bit back to the lesson I would like to give to my son? Eh? What I was explaining earlier, it's uh, no, it's, it's it, it all has I think it, it all comes back to having enough self-confidence having enough um i would say insight knowledge and power to basically uh, sometimes it's good to have to disappoint people if it means you do it with with a higher purpose i would say and 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 the burden you could see by always trying to please or to please too much is is basically that you that you become less authentic, that you might quicker run into yeah the so-called burnout burnouts uh, because of always trying to please and 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 yeah which is a synonym for basically trying not to disappoint and um, so yeah I, I'm puzzled with it, Carline. I think I agree with you. It's it's. It's definitely uh, there is a big it's a it's a, a knife that cuts both both ways
0: yeah okay um are you religious
1: i think so yeah yes yeah.
0: do you believe in uh, life? I, I
1: i i i always say life. i because many people know that i'm a good friend of uh, of desmond tutu um and that's a, a, a question i get quite often uh from people that I know for a while already, without them asking me up front, then they all kind of take for granted as if I'm very religious. Which is certainly not the the sense in the way of looking at religion as a kind of an institution or related to a certain church or but I, I feel that I'm religious but it's it's really I I, I believe in I believe in, in my own kind of religion, but I must say I, I find lots of peace and, and uh, quietness and meditation power also in churches, In uh, but regardless of wh- what type of church, whether it's the like the Anglican church that I've been into in South Africa, which is Desmond Tutu's church, or whether it's the more Catholic churches that we know here in Belgium, or whether it's a mosque now in, in, in Mombasa where I live, more, more than half of the population is Muslim, and uh, I, I, I basically engage on many days with more with Muslim um, friends and, and colleagues uh, than, than 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 let's say with Catholic people. I I, I feel I'm extremely, um, uh, yeah, I, I like all type of religions, uh, and I, I I can really get a kind of a feeling of of. Of contributing to, or feeling feeling part of a, of a greater universe, and by actually associating myself together with all those ways of of meditation and and religious, um, I would say, uh, doubts, but but not really linked to a specific uh, institution. I'm I'm really someone who is not attached to uh, to, to to the classical yeah. uh, way of looking at religion.
0: Yeah. yeah um What is your biggest fear?
1: I think my biggest fear would be to oh, to basically yeah from a business point of view I would I would fear to go bankrupt I would fear to to basically be nailed down completely financially uh, I, I, I I I'm working a lot with organizations that are linked to poverty alleviation uh to training and to creating some people some sometimes call call my type of business the business of hope I I like that 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 metaphor but but as yeah. a as a flip back side or or or, or uh, as a I would say a uh, very confronting in that world is that you you basically see how much people are suffering because of lack of money at the end of the day lack of money which is 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 is, is bringing lack lack of healthcare lack of education lack of even democratic and and free uh, free voicing uh, of each other uh, of your own beliefs and i i've been so much I, i've been very privileged to basically see many people Positively evolve, but also to some somehow see how much all the work many organizations, including mine, is doing. Are at the end of the day, often if you look at it from a pessimistic and a, and a, and a less purple uh, glasses, it's a drop in the ocean, you could say. And 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 it's really sometimes confronting me how quickly life can change and who have someone who who eventually had a successful life suddenly can 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 get like uh, a miserable life because of some 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 personal uh, choices or, or mistakes but often also just by force of nature by by coincidence by dealing with the wrong people sometimes by sometimes also being born in a different uh kind of ecosystem and 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 that has really shown me how happiness and despair are sometimes very 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 close uh closely linked to each other and it's it's worrying me for myself but also yeah. for my my dear ones
0: absolutely and my next question but it's probably very close to to that is would be uh what, what would be, uh, if you could solve one problem, one world problem, overnight, what what would that be?
1: A world problem overnight, yeah.
0: Or, or any problem?
1: I think... Very closely linked to what what I do with close the gap if i if you look at it from a little bit more distance, it's about people not having a voice, giving a voice to people. I think that's really the mission what we want to do and 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 we are now so interconnected. I've seen it now also with that digital for youth project we're doing. We basically in in three, four weeks of time. Basically, in a, in, a, in a country like Belgium, we we kind of reached all layers of society using the media, the social media, uh, getting also political attention and media attention. If I see how many people in developing countries that don't have a voice, they have a physical voice, but no one is necessarily listening to them and they don't have the the means to basically voice injustice in particular i think that's what i would really want to see and where i really believe that technology can be an enormous enabler and a kind of a, a, a justifier and as we've seen with the arab spring earlier how even uh yeah uh, a dictator uh, has been uh, has has had to step down from a country because of all those young people suddenly having a voice through their mobile phones and I, I think a long answer to say, if I can, if one problem, if, if one type of problem could be solutioned through something I could do overnight, I would really look at connecting all the unconnected people and giving them a voice through that connection.
0: It's very, very beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Another uh, deep question. Um, imagine you you would have one week left to live um, as of today. Um, how would you spend it? What would you do? Well,
1: no doubt, I would spend it with um, with my wife and my son. But probably if I would know that in a week of time it's over and out, I would probably give a very big party <laughs> and uh, I would spend it by organizing the party and having it the party on day seven and then trying to basically, uh, yeah, have the ending of that week with all the people around you and kind of uh, making the party into a, a goodbye party. Probably I would do that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Any last song you choose?
1: The last song? Frank Sinatra, My Way.
0: (laughs) Epic. (laughs) Cool. Um, So uh, I hope uh, it's not going to be your last week. So um, what quality or skill that you don't have yet today would you like to acquire, if anything would be possible?
1: I think I come back to a previous comment, probably what getting a little bit more uh, like an extra skill set to basically better um, manage this, uh, I would say, the negative expectations, the ones you cannot fulfill and try to to better actually live with it without making it destroy your momentum of the day or of the period during that, uh, that I would say, that that, that um, negative period. So be- better managing negativity, basically. I think I, I, I'm someone with lots of high, I would say, high tops, but also deep downs, and I would be... Would be nice for me to be a little bit more in the middle sometimes, and I, that's a skill set I probably should acquire to, to 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 be a little bit more uh, stable in terms of uh, those ups and downs. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and when do you feel uh, most alive?
1: Um, but there's probably many ways but one of the things i it, it's, it's quite difficult to say this during COVID 19 but usually when i get into airports and airplanes i i really feel extremely alive i love to travel i love to be in in in, in environments where i'm surrounded by all strangers it, it it makes me it gives me a feeling of um, of of becoming relaxed and and being at ease, and it makes me also uh, get out of my day to day rhythm, uh, and 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 that brings me then very much alive because then I suddenly start dreaming, writing down things on my uh, in a kind of diary. Um, yeah, that's uh, airports. Yeah.
0: Nice. So. Uh... 40 minutes have passed. So last question uh, before I let you go. Uh, Is there anything you will do differently after lockdown? Is there anything that you uh, became aware of that you should or want to do differently?
1: Yes, I went for the first time to the office today and yesterday as well. And I was, instead of being there with... uh, quite some people, I was there on my own with uh, one of my colleagues. And I basically twice had lunch with her uh, in social distancing in our open space, eating a salad. And I realized when I usually go to the office, I'm always running, having phone calls, having Skype calls, having outdoor lunches. And that basically, having face to face personal relations with your own day-to-day colleagues that i basically should do that much more it gives you so much energy it gives you so much more insights about your own organization and business by having those unplanned discussions with your own direct uh colleagues staff and and and, and also board members opposed of running the day, mm. as I did before, uh, on agenda to agenda. So I, I think COVID-19 has shown me that virtual meetings, planned meetings, are extremely easy and professionally and also convenient, but that face-to-face meetings should not always be the planned ones you need to have and the unplanned ones. And and, and those ones are the ones I'm missing now, because you cannot have unplanned virtual meetings.
0: Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So, uh, Olivier, uh, then I have nothing left uh, to ask you and um, I want to thank you a lot for uh, for taking the time uh, to, to be there with us, to, to uh, give a glimpse of uh, the real Olivier uh, behind the title. Um, and I wish you all the best uh, with the their project in Belgium, but also I hope that uh, soon you can go back uh, to Kenya to continue the story. Thank and,
1: you. I, I hope I will be able to invite you one day as well, Carline, and that you can do uh, that. We can do that uh, meditation and uh, the exercises of the breathing exercise on one of the Mombasa beaches.
0: Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. <laughs> okay. Thank you all for listening and see you next time. But before you head off, if you haven't heard our previous episodes yet, then I strongly recommend you to check them out. You can find them on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Also, do check out our website www48 hoursunplugcom and stay up to date on all our upcoming leadership retreats and other activities. Together... Let's bring more inspiring leaders into this world. Have a lovely day!